0: It's Thursday, June 15th, 2023. And this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam B. Levine here again with your daily news roundup. On today's show, we're talking Bitcoin, the Fed pause, plus a look at the SEC's big disclosure in their case against Ripple. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Bitcoin, Ether, and the broader crypto market took a beating yesterday after the U.S. central bank finally gave markets what they at least thought they wanted and did not increase the core interest rate, which over the last year has been pushed up by a staggering 2,000 percent, from a range at the start of last year from zero to one quarter of a point before the Fed finally couldn't ignore the inflationary repercussions of their money printer policies, to today's range of five to five and a quarter percent. And yet, markets are not happy at all. In a world where bad news is good news for markets because it means the Fed is more likely to intervene in support, the U.S. central bank may have or be on the verge of breaking that long-trained habit, as the end of the record-setting rate hike regime results in markets that are at best confused but mostly down. Crypto assets, of course, took the worst of it, but there was little to celebrate this morning across sectors. That could be because this is being characterized as a pause rather than an end. The Jerome Powell-led institution has said it will pause rate hikes for at least one meeting, while also signaling it expects further monetary tightening before the end of the year. Some traders have suggested that there might be short-term losses associated with all of this. LMAX Digital's Morning note said, quote, As per our technical insight in today's update, any additional setbacks in the price of Bitcoin should be well-supported ahead of $22,000, end quote. But that's still quite a drop from even where we sit right now. It's interesting to note that other risk assets, especially in the U.S., didn't really react as sharply as crypto. In fact, the Nasdaq and S&P 500 actually gained a little bit of ground yesterday, although not much. Either Bitcoin is more honestly pricing in Federal Reserve risk or doing that thing where it starts behaving in uncorrelated ways. Time will tell. In other crypto market related news, millions of dollars of Tether or USDT stablecoins appeared to be selling off on popular DeFi platform Uniswap and Curve. Earlier this morning, sparking signs of concern among some traders, USDT, which usually trades around $1, lost its peg just a touch to the U.S. currency and dropped to as low as $0.99.68 on the dollar. That's according to CoinMarketCap data. USDT balances on Curve's popular 3-Pool, a stablecoin swapping pool made up of stablecoins from the Tether, Circle, and MakerDAO ecosystem, rose to over 72% earlier this morning, suggesting traders had exchanged tens of millions of Tether in favor of other stablecoins, namely USDC from Circle and DAI from MakerDAO. Curve's 3-Pool now holds over $300 million of Tether tokens and nearly 55 million of each of the others. That imbalance suggests an increased preference for anything but Tether. The company's CTO, though, suggested in a tweet that some traders could be looking to, quote, capitalize on the general sentiment, end quote, in the broader crypto market with their actions exacerbating recent downward price action. But let's turn to a different story. Zooming out a bit and turning the focus back to Bitcoin, it's possible that the next Bitcoin halving, expected in the second quarter of next year, will have a positive impact on the cryptocurrency's performance. That's what's happened in the past, but it's not a foregone conclusion. Big Exchange Coinbase said in a report out yesterday, quote, Getting a clear picture of how markets reacted to previous Bitcoin halving episodes requires disentangling the effect of liquidity, rates, and U.S. dollar movements, an analyst wrote. The halving or the block reward, of course, for anyone who has paid attention to the space for particularly a particularly long time, is often viewed positively because it enhances Bitcoin's prospective scarcity and supports its diminishing supply and demand dynamics. In other words, it makes Bitcoin more rare, the note said. When the Bitcoin halving occurs, rewards are cut by a further 50%. This has now happened a couple of times. But still, with only three recorded halving events in the past, evidence of how markets react is definitely limited, the note added. And although there's past behavior to draw from, it is difficult to see a clear pattern, particularly as the events were, quote, contaminated by factors like global liquidity measures, according to the report. Coinbase says the global liquidity appears to have peaked in the near term, noting that there's still another 9 to 10 months till the next halving, which makes it unclear what the net effect on Bitcoin's price behavior might be. Retail demand for the largest cryptocurrency is likely to remain strong ahead of the event, according to a separate note from Wall Street giant J.P. Morgan. Now, before we wrap up today's crypto market segment, let's just take a quick moment to consider that cryptocurrency and even Bitcoin are too new to have anything other than first practices. That's easy to consider from the outside, but harder once you're in too deep. In the world of crypto, for the more than a decade I've been observing, reporting, and often building, it's become obvious that nobody really knows anything, and so we look to anecdotal examples from the past and try to apply them to the future. This process is imprecise at best, and wholly misguided at worst. It suggests that because something has happened before, it's likely to happen again. And while that may be true, the ability to really differentiate between a natural pattern, one that happens irrespective of what we think might happen, and a narrative pattern, essentially a self-fulfilling prophecy where the expectation of that thing happening actually catalyzes it, is something that can only be done with confidence in hindsight. And we don't have that yet. Just the question, is the pattern we've seen to date around Bitcoin's halvings natural? Or is it narrative? We don't know the answer, but it's a story We'll be watching. Today's crypto coverage comes courtesy of Coindesk markets analysts, Lola Ledesma, I'm Ubley, and Shari Amawa. Bitcoin is currently trading at $24,878. That is down four and a third percent since our show yesterday, while Ether is trading at $1,635 per ETH. That's down more than six and a quarter percent over the same time period, according to the Coindesk market index. And speaking of the CoinDesk market index, we're looking at an absolute reading this morning of 1,069. That compares against yesterday's reading of 1,125 and represents an almost 5% loss across top traded tokens on the day. Turning to traditional markets, in the U.S., things are a bit strange, with all indexes reacting in different ways, but none of them really showing a lot of gains. The Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 0.7%, while the S&P 500 is basically flat. The Nasdaq composite, on the other hand, gained 0.4%. Perhaps all of this suggests that the Fed pausing was already mostly priced in, or that the forward guidance about rate hikes later in the year has participants trapped between emotions. In Europe, market sentiment was generally more negative across indexes, with the regional stock 600 dropping 0.6%, London's FTSE 100 flat, and Germany's DAX down by half a point. Most Asian markets in contrast seem to enjoy the Fed announcement with the Hang Seng Index up sharply 2.2% and the Shanghai Composite adding 0.75. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 was flat after gains earlier in the week. In commodities markets, essentially everything is down. Brent crude fell 1.3%, gold declined 1.2%, and First Republic continued its downward march, pulling back a bit from its gains yesterday's to trade once again at 17 cents per share. Today's traditional markets update draws from Market Watch. Stay tuned for after the break, we'll take a look at Ripple, the SEC, and what the debate behind the Hinman speech could mean. We'll be right back. Today's featured story is an opinion piece from Coindesk's Daniel Kuhn. Our piece today is entitled, Ripple Does Not Care Whether XRP Is Sufficiently Decentralized. The long-awaited so-called Hinman docs have finally been unsealed, a move that some believe could play a crucial role in the ongoing legal battle between the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, or SEC, and Ripple. Ripple is being sued by the securities regulator for an allegedly illicit sale of $1.3 billion worth of the XRP token, a cryptocurrency the SEC is treating as a security, one of many. Ripple fought hard to get the documents into the court record, which supposedly showed the agency is unfairly targeting the company. CEO Brad Garlandhouse yesterday said the document dump was well worth the wait. While not everyone is convinced the newly released files prove Ripple's claims, the hundreds of internal messages from SEC higher-ups do show that the SEC has never really been clear on whether and how to regulate cryptocurrencies that were created after Bitcoin. It all started in 2018, when then-director of the SEC's corporate finance division, William Hinman, gave a speech at a Yahoo summit, where he argued that Ether, or ETH, the native token of the Ethereum blockchain, should not be classified as a security, essentially because the network has become, quote, sufficiently decentralized, end quote, from its time of creation. Even if ETH was a security at launch, a very real possibility, the SEC noted, given how the token sale was conducted, blockchain networks can evolve, and the circumstances can change. And as an aside, a similar line of thinking here supports live regulatory proposals like SEC Commissioner Hester Peirce's safe harbor guidance. But back to the story. That public speech was based on Hinman's understanding of the Ethereum network at the time. And although Ripple is arguing that XRP is not a security, the company does not view Hinman's thinking as particularly helpful. Instead of arguing on similar grounds that XRP has decentralized over time, Ripple is trying to argue that Hinman's theory was not grounded in a proper understanding of securities law. In short, Ripple fought to see these documents and then fought to release them to the public because they sowed discord. On Twitter, Garlinghouse said it's, quote, absolutely unconscionable, end quote, that Hinman gave his speech despite the lack of consensus agreement within the SEC, adding that the speech, quote, deliberately created confusion, end quote. This is apparently supportive of the company's actual defense that the SEC sued Ripple and its executives without a clear legal basis. And further, Ripple is arguing on procedural grounds that the SEC violated its due process rights by failing to provide fair notice of potential securities regulation violations. For months, the SEC, now run by Chairman Gary Gensler, has fought to keep the Hinman documents out of public view because his statements were his and his alone, did not represent the agency's understanding, and are irrelevant to the lawsuit, it argued. And indeed, while the internal communications of the SEC concerning Hinman's presentation, including feedback he solicited from colleagues before the summit, show that many SEC officials were aligned, it'd be hard to say the resulting speech represented everyone's views. For instance, SEC Director Brett Redfern suggested Hinman use stronger language to make it clear that ETH circa 2018 was not a security, while others noted that Hinman's speech might trap the agency if it wanted to take a, quote, different position on Ether in the future, end quote. It turns out that that last point wouldn't be a problem for Gensler, who seems entirely unconcerned about contradicting earlier views he or his predecessors have held. And perhaps that's par for the course at the SEC. During Ripple's protracted fight to get the speech draft into the public, the judge overseeing the case said the agency was acting immorally by trying to keep the information out of court. Moreover, one of Ripple's key argues is that Hinman's speech showed a clear conflict of interest, considering he had a stake in a law firm that was a member of the Enterprise-Ethereum alliance at the time a law firm he later rejoined after leaving the SEC, according to an email exchange between Hinman and the SEC's ethics office. And for its part, Ripple argues a few things about XRP. First, that the for-profit company has for years said it did not create the network or the token, although it is a primary developer on the chain and perhaps the organization that stands to gain the most materially from XRP's adoption. Further, perhaps confusingly, The company has argued that XRP is commodity money, a type of resource that has trade value for a diverse cast of investors, coders, and companies, like Bitcoin and Ether. There are a few things that point in favor of the idea that the XRP network has decentralized over time. Like any public blockchain, anyone can build using XRP, or the network to transfer assets. In late 2013, Ripple Labs released Ripple's full codebase, which was not always public theoretically offering tools to the world necessary to maintain the network without the involvement of any specific party. Several companies, most notably MoneyGram, have used the network for some types of cross-border transactions. But for many people outside the so-called XRP army, Ripple has been something like a canker on the blockchain industry. This perhaps started with Ripple Labs' token distribution plan, the very thing being questioned by the SEC. Similar to some token treasuries today, Ripple decided it would control the disbursement of the 100 billion XRP units that would ever exist, distributing them to the community, early investors, and the company's founders. This is partially why Jeb McCaleb, the founder of Ripple, who left to create the competing payments-focused blockchain Stellar, has had so many tokens available to dump on the market over the years. And while the company may argue against this point, Ripple, the network, really hasn't decentralized much from its point of creation. For years, all of Ripple's clients, the implementation of its code that is, were set to trust only Ripple's validation nodes by default. Unlike Bitcoin or Ethereum, where trustless transactions, so-called, are basically the whole reason for existing, Ripple uses validators to help untrusting partners find trusted routes to trade. Meaning, if Ripple the company controls the validators, it basically controls the XRP ledger. This is a point the SEC latched onto in its suit, quote, During the process to achieve consensus with respect to a new proposed state of the XRP ledger, each server on the network evaluates proposed transactions from a subset of servers it trusts not to defraud it, also known as the server's UNL, the SEC wrote, referring to Unique Node Lists or UNLs, which are gateways that control who can participate in the blockchain consensus mechanism. While users can control their own UNL, most use the XRP Foundation's default UNL. Rarely do discussions of Ripple's suit get into technical details like that. In fact, most of the conversation seems to be rooted in a total misunderstanding of the company's strategy. Part of the reason the so-called XRP army has been dragging someone like Vitalik Buterin, the creator of Ethereum today, is because he took a call with the agency as Hinman was drafting its speech. Another example of bias. Ripple's case absolutely matters for the future of the blockchain industry. It was hugely significant when Coinbase and other U.S. exchanges delisted XRP back in 2020 when the SEC first alleged the token was a security, a type of action it would be hard to imagine happening today. For example, Coinbase didn't even delist all the so-called securities its former product manager turned insider trader was accused of front-running. The case specifically involves a legal interpretation of cryptocurrencies as meeting the prongs of the SEC's Howey test, which asks whether an investment contract is an investment of money in a common enterprise with an expectation of profit to be derived from the efforts of others. Ripple denies that XRP qualifies as a security because there was no investment contract and that XRP has more in common with diamonds, gold, soybeans, and cars, i.e. commodities. In other words, Ripple cares whether the SEC is right or wrong, but it never cared about decentralization. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. Today's episode was edited by Ryan. And for those of you still with us, we'd love to hear what you think. You can send us an email at podcast at coindesk.com. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice.